0: I'm going to read from Luke 23, 32 to 43. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the Son, the Chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Then one of the criminals were were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, we pray your blessing upon your word this morning. We pray, God, that whatever we say that will be according to your will and your purpose, And that your word will enter into the hearts of those that are hearing and bring about change in their lives. I pray that the soil this morning will be good soil to receive that seed that is able to grow and bring forth fruit for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak a little bit about the cross this morning. It, It is a most neglected subject, I think, in the church world today. Uh, the teaching and preaching of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I I want to just speak a little bit about Paul. His name was Saul, and he was a Pharisee, He was a very religious man. And how many of you know this morning, you can be religious and still be lost? You can be religious and as blind as a bat. And that was the case with this man but he persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. In those days, they were called the people of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So he was, uh, the church was called the way. He persecuted people. He hounded them into prison, and he even saw people being put to death just because they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible shows that when the first martyr was stoned to death, Stephen, that Saul was standing by holding the coats of those people who were stoning Stephen. So here was a man, he he was religious, but he was completely and totally against Jesus Christ. But one day on the road to Damascus, suddenly there a bright light shines around him, and he's knocked to the ground. And he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus. You see, he never persecuted Jesus in Jesus' physical body. He persecuted the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, because the followers of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. And when you persecute the followers of Christ, you are persecuting Jesus. That's why Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? The man was struck blind and, uh, for several days, and then he uh, became right again, and his whole life, was changed his life was changed because of that day when he came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ it doesn't matter where you are this morning what you're going through what you've done but if you have an an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ you can be guaranteed that your life is going to change it's going to be transformed your mind is going to be renewed and you are going to become a brand new creature and that's what the church is about to see that people have an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul wrote most of the books in the New Testament. When you read his life story, he was a man that was persecuted. He suffered for the name of Jesus, and uh, he was cast into prison. He suffered tremendously, but the Bible says mighty miracles were wrought by the hands of the Apostle Paul. But when you write right through the Scriptures, never does the Bible call him Apostle Paul, always, always, Paul the Apostle. There's a big uh, uh, change about that because if you call him Paul the Apostle, you're giving him a title. It's not a title. It's a function. He was an apostle and, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he, he wrote most of the books in the New Testament. God mightily used him. And when you read right throughout the Scriptures, you will find that this man, Paul, who was arrogant, has now been transformed, and you can sense that he is as humble as the Lord Jesus Christ was, never boasting, never bragging about himself, but always exalting the Lord Jesus. And he comes to a place in his life where he says this, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, he wasn't saying, I'm ignorant of everything. He wasn't saying that I don't know much. What he was saying is that the most important thing in all of Scripture is the crucifixion or the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is the center of Christianity. And that's why it's so important that we preach and teach about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament points towards the cross. Every story you read, every verse, every chapter, every book is pointing towards the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was fulfilled. The the, the old prophets of the old time said he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The prophet also said that he will be crucified between two uh, thieves, criminals, and so everything that was prophesied concerning the cross was fulfilled. So everything under the old covenant points towards the cross. Everything in the new covenant, every blessing, every promise flows from the cross. So you see, the cross is the center of Christianity. That's why it is so important for us to know things about the cross. Everything pertains to the cross. We're not just speaking about Uh, Those two pieces of wood, it was just wood. But we're speaking about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Now we speak about the many miracles that happened at the cross. We speak about the many miracles that happened uh, when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth. He healed the sick, cast out demons, opened blind eyes, caused the crippled to walk. And He was a miracle-working God. And we, we talk about it, but what we sometimes forget, one of the greatest miracles pointing towards the cross, that was the fact that Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned. The Bible says He was God, He became a man just like us. He laid down His prerogatives as God and He became a man, subject to all passions as we are subject to. He went through everything that you and I could possibly go through, yet without sin. So when we speak about the cross, we're speaking about uh, the finished work of the Lord Jesus, his life. He, he, From the very day that he was born, it was the cross that was in focus. His whole life was about the cross because that was the purpose why God had sent him to earth. That's why Jesus came. That's why God became a man, so that he can die on the cross for the sins of the world. So every man, every woman can be forgiven of their sin. And so Jesus died on that cross For our sins. Now, when you look on the cross and you read this passage of scripture we just read, and you see there were two thieves next to him, one on either side. The one said to him, Why, uh, if if you are God, why don't you take us, uh, why don't you save us from this death? Why don't you save us from this death that we're experiencing? The other man said, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So here we find three people. One In the middle, two on either side. One died in his sin. That is the unrepentant thief. He died in his sin. The other thief died of his sin. That is the repentant thief. And Jesus died for our sin. Only one man can die for sin. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. No other man. If God could have sent an angel from heaven, he would have. But he sent his only begotten son because it's only begotten son He's the only one who could have died for the sins of the world. And so many people today die of sin, and many people die in sin. But only Jesus could die for sin. Amen. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so the cross... Is the center of everything that we believe. It was on the cross that Jesus took your sin and my sin and died so that you and I could be free from sin and have eternal life. Now, when Jesus, uh, the amazing thing about this passage of scripture, and I think I've mentioned it before because I, I like to mention some things quite often because they are so wonderful. When Jesus hung on that cross, he was naked, he was bleeding. He was he was crowned with thorns. He, he, he was in a terrible condition. And all those scribes and Pharisees who went to church every week, who, who understood the law, did not recognize this man as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They did not recognize him as the Savior of the world. But here on the cross, we see a man that is despised and rejected. A man who threw away his life because of of his behavior, because of his sin. A man who was nothing but a thief. And when this man looks across to the other cross, he sees Jesus not as just an ordinary man, but he sees someone who has a kingdom. For he says, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? It was a thief that recognized the glorious truth on the cross that Jesus was the King of kings. And the Lord of Lords. And Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, Jesus only said today three times. One time in the book of Luke, he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled. The next time he used the word today is when he went to a particular place. Zacchaeus was hiding in a tree, and he said to Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for today I am coming to your house. And now on the cross, he says to this thief, today You will be with me in paradise. Now, paradise uh, was a place where the Old Testament saints were kept. They could not enter into heaven. Their spirits were kept in this place called paradise. And in Ephesians, it says he he gave gifts unto men and left captivity captive. They were held captive in this place called paradise. Paradise. And Jesus went and He released them because it says, He led led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So He set them free from that, that place. There is no longer a place called paradise in Scripture. It is empty, and Jesus emptied it by taking the Old Testament saints to heaven. Now, there are some very important things that I just want to point out to you this morning that will help us because there are many messages we can preach concerning the cross. But I want to show you this morning in just six quick things, how the cross, the work of Jesus on the cross, struck a death blow to some of the major teaching that is in the world today. Some of the major teaching, the major major movements, and yet this experience on the cross with these two thieves struck a death blow to that teaching. The first one is baptism, water baptism. There are those that teach you cannot be saved. You cannot go to heaven unless you have been saved and you've been baptized in water. So they make baptism in water an essential to your salvation. In other words, if you say you're saved but you're not baptized, you can't go to heaven. It is amazing the very people, and there's a major major church and a major movement right here in Boston that teaches this, that, that if you do get baptized, you have to be baptized through them. Uh, They're the only ones who have the true baptism. So many people hear this thing that uh, you have to repent and you have to be baptized before you can be saved. That is not what the Scripture teaches. This man on the cross was not baptized. He never had the opportunity to be baptized. But when he looked at Jesus, he said, remember me, he repented of his sin, and Jesus said, that is good enough for you to go to heaven. So we have to understand, baptism is not something that washes you clean or save you. The other day we sang a song in our church, and it sang about the blood. Blood does this, and then it says we're washed by the water. We're not washed by the water. That water in which we are baptized does not wash us. That water cannot take away one single sin. The only thing that can remove your sin is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved and cleansed by the blood. Amen? And so we must baptize people because the Bible says we must be baptized. And He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. So we go through the waters of baptism as an act of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing publicly that the old man or the old woman is buried. And now, when you come up out of the water, it is the resurrection of the new man or the new woman in Christ Jesus. That is simply. The the meaning of water baptism. This man went to heaven and he was never baptized. He struck a death blow to that particular teaching. Amen. (coughs) The second thing is good works. There are those people say you've got to work. In fact, even in our type of churches, there are some people are working, laboring in the church with a wrong motive. They think if they do this, they're going to score some points with God and God is going to overlook some issues in their lives because they're always helping and they're always working. That becomes good works, and the Bible calls it dead works. We are to be saved from dead works. Now, there are people that teach today, you've got to work your way to heaven. Most of us have experienced the Jehovah Witnesses when they come and they knock on your door, and they want to tell you, what. Well, you know why they're going around on a, on a Saturday or whatever day? It's because they are trying to work their way into heaven. They believe you're only saved by your works. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved. It's a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. So you and I are saved by God's grace. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot work, 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 and think that you're going to score points with God. It's only God's grace. God's unmerited favor. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's grace and grace alone. Amen. So there are many today that believe that you must work. Heaven would be a terrible place. A terrible place if you and I can work our way in there. Because if you and I can work our way in heaven, one day we'll be walking around there and say, I'm here because of what I did. I did more than you did. Heaven will be filled with braggers, boasting and bragging about what they did. But they may not say by our works, but by grace. So one day when we're in heaven, we say, I'm here, because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary so many years ago. Amen. so it struck a death blow to good works. These two thieves did no good works, they did bad works. That's why they were crucified. So it strikes a death blow to that teaching. The third thing I want to point out to you this morning is universalism. You see many universalist churches in, in, in towns of America, some of the Old Presidents were Universalists, many of us say they were Christians, but they were universalists and What does the Universalist teach? They teach every single person is going to go to heaven. everyone's going to heaven, no one 's lost. everybody, every single person will go to heaven one day. Just some years ago, Pastor Tim and I were down in Washington, and there was a young guy who just started a movement and it was growing like a wildfire and a, Uh, Tim went to one of these meetings just to see what they do and and what methods he's using, what have you. And uh, this guy made a name for himself, and then all of a sudden one day he turns around and he says, he does not believe in hell anymore. He believes everybody's going to heaven because God is so kind and God is so gracious and God is so merciful that he will never put anybody in hell. Well, we know that God doesn't put anybody in hell. It's choice. You choose where you go. You have an opportunity today to choose your destiny. You make up your own mind where you want to go. Not other people, you. And so universalism says all the same, but yeah, we see it's not the case. Here on the cross, I mean, God presented this so beautifully because the one thief, he's repented, and Jesus says to that thief today, you will be with me in paradise, not the other thief. So here were two people, one was saved and one was lost. So it struck a death blow to universalism. Not all are saved. Jesus spoke to a a, a religious man one day, Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. And then again, he says, Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And that is still the message of the church today. You must be born again. It's not your good works. It's not what you've done but it's what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. Amen. So he strikes a death blow to universalism. Then there is a thing called soul sleep. Uh, People think that when someone dies, they go to the grave, and they are waiting for that great resurrection morning when Jesus will come and everybody will be resurrected. And so there are a lot of people that teach soul sleep. Your body and your spirit goes to the grave when you die, waiting for that glorious day. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The moment you die, it is your body that goes to the grave and your body that turns to dust. But your spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord if you're born again. Amen? So it struck a death blow to soul sleeping. There's no such thing as soul sleeping. When Jesus comes, uh, He'll come back with all those that have died. He comes back with their spirits. Their bodies are resurrected. They are new bodies, spirit and soul comes together, and body comes together, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, here again, it strikes a death blow uh, to that teaching. Jesus said to the one, today you will be with me in paradise. And the, the first thing is that we see a lot of people believe in is purgatory. Purgatory. There's no such place as purgatory. Paradise was not purgatory. Paradise was a holding place of Old Testament saints. There is no such place as pur- purg- purgatory. Undergo, people believe you undergo purification so you can achieve holiness to enter into heaven. Mass for the dead. We cannot say mass for the dead. You cannot pray for the dead. Once a person is, has died, it is over. It is over. There's no purgatory. Nowhere in Scripture do we see a place called purgatory. There's no halfway house. Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. And so you, if you're hoping, well, one day, if I mess up now, I'm going to carry on doing because I'm enjoying myself. And if I die, I'll go to purgatory. There's no such place. This struck a death blow. Jesus didn't say to this man, look, you've been a thief for a long time, and now you need to go to purgatory for a while. and You need to get cleaned up. But he never said that. He said, today, today. And he, that's why I pointed out the three times he said today. Today means today. You will be with me in paradise. And what a trip he had. Amen. The sixth thing is death does not end at all. Some people say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Enjoy yourself, man. You only have one life. And the makers, if the grave is the end, the grave is not the end. The grave is the beginning of eternity. And we as born-again believers, the moment we're born again, immediately we receive eternal life. Our spirits will never die. Amen. And so it struck a death blow to that as well. Now, there's just, in closing, this is one or two things I want to point out to you. First of all, from the story of these thieves on the cross, it's never too late to be saved. Over the many years I've been in the ministry, I've met people that have really been in terrible, terrible situations. And they've said, you know what? There's no hope for me. It's too late. It's too late. God wasn't cared. No, it's never too late. These two men were sentenced to death. They were on that cross. In a few hours, they would be dead. And yet, one man turns to Jesus, and he repents of his sin. And Jesus says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. One day when we go to heaven, we're going to see this thief. Amen? He repented in the final hours of his life. Never give up hope for people. Never never, never think that somebody uh, has wasted their life and they're dying now, and there's no hope for them. There's always hope. As long as there's breath, there is hope, because God is a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace. And His mercies are new every single morning. The Bible says the will of God, He would not that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. Every single person in this house this morning has an opportunity to repent of their sin and to become a child of a living God and have hope for eternity. That's the promise of God. The second point I want to mention to you is even the worst can be saved at the last moment. Even the worst can be saved at the last moment. How many times do we give up hope for people? We think they're just too bad, they they, they just too bad. They, they, there's no way they're going to get saved. People thought that of me when I was a young man. Uh, he's too bad, he'll never get saved, and yet I got saved because of God's grace. It's never too late, and you can be saved at the last moment. I've been at the deathbed of people who are dying, been called out to go and speak to them, and I've had people on the deathbed saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I've got no, ra- no right to doubt the sincerity of that prayer, and I know that if it's sincere, even on their deathbed, having spent a lifetime, of sin god forgives them and god takes them home to where they belong the third thing god has made salvation so simple that anybody can be saved simple religion complicates things clever people complicate things but the gospel is good news it is simple very simple In fact, in Corinthians 15, he explains the gospel. He says, Paul says, I have delivered unto you that which I received, that how the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and was seen alive by Cephas, then by the twelve and later by five hundred brethren. That's the gospel. Jesus died for your sin and my sin. Jesus rose again so that we as sinners can be justified in the presence of a holy God. The gospel is good news, especially today in the world that all we hear is bad news, bad news, bad news. But thank God for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believes. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not complicated. I remember so many, many years ago when I was lost and I was a drunkard and I was sitting in a service. Not that I wanted to be there. God had an appointment for me. And they preached and I felt convicted. And uh, I responded And immediately as I went forward, they prayed for me. God changed my life. Changed my life completely. Delivered me. Just like it. That's why I believe in our God is a miracle-working God. And I think the church is neglecting uh, the miracles of God. We're beginning to doubt. We we hardly ever come to church with great expectation that something miraculous is going to happen because we've become so earthly, comfortable, That we don't prepare ourselves when we come together as the people of God and say, God, this is your body this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit will come down in power and that miracles will take place. Most of us sitting here today need a miracle. People are in bondage, people are dying left, right and center. A young generation is dying because of drug, drug addiction and tons and tons and tons of drugs keep coming into this country. There needs to be a, a move of God's Spirit like never before that we have be, move in power again where we can lay hands on people and say in the name of Jesus, be free from this thing. And God sets them free. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe this morning that it's going to happen. One of these days are going don't think the church is always going to be like this. Tough times are coming. Things are going to change. And God allows that to happen so He can see how genuine we are. Whether we really mean business with Him or not. When I got saved, I made up my mind come hell or high water, I am going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. I am grateful that He rescued me, that He delivered me, that He changed me, and that He's given me hope for eternity. And I want you to have that hope as well this morning. So the cross is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing to remember what Jesus did for us.